RadioInfluence.com. Left it. The Democratic Party is the topic we're elated to expose in this episode of United Patriots Uprising with Gary Benford. I'm your host, Gary Benford. Thanks for joining us. Expose? Expose, you ask? Isn't that an inappropriate description, you say? Heck no. Blacks, Jews, and Latinos leaving the Democrats' plantation is one of the Marxist-led party's worst nightmares. And one, most certainly, it doesn't want our electorate to realize is going on. So we're going to shout it from the rooftops with guests, Pierre Wilson, the national director for the Black Exit Movement, known as Blexit, Michelle Terrace, founder of the Jewish Exit Movement, known as Jexit, along with representatives Marie Fisher and Sophia Manalesco, and Lexit's Jesse Holguin, founder of the Latino Exit Movement. This podcast is available on RadioInfluence.com or your favorite podcast platform. A great way to show your support is by subscribing to this podcast, give it a rating and leave a review, and be sure to tell your friends about the broadcast. Can you imagine not being allowed to think for yourself? I mean that literally. Can you imagine a situation in which you risk being assaulted verbally and sometimes even physically if you dare to think for yourself? I'm not talking about this going on in Russia, China, or Iran. I'm talking about in the good old U.S. of A. You think I'm exaggerating? You won't after listening to representatives from Black, Jewish, and Latino organizations who dare to tell anybody who will listen why they must leave the Democratic Party. You'll be amazed, or should I say dismayed, by the fallout. But they forge ahead courageously, no matter the pushback. So let's get into it. There are some stories you never get tired of hearing, and my next guest has one of them. If they were going to make a movie about a transformation, this one would sell. Pierre Wilson, who he was to who he is now, is an amazing, amazing story. There's a lot of bumps, bruises, and heartbreak along the way. There's some comedic Uh, inferences in there, but it's just an incredible story that I never, ever get tired of hearing, and I'm looking forward to Pierre telling it again, okay? He's a member of the Mecklenburg County Republican Club, the Mecklenburg County Young Republicans, I hope he's still in those, and, but definitely, Black Voices for Trump. He is the Blexit Director which puts him high up the food chain, and he'll explain what that's about. I welcome to the show, Mr. Pierre Wilson. It's a pleasure to be here. It's an absolute pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. I always enjoy coming on. Pierre, I always enjoy talking to you because your story, I think a lot of people will be able to relate to. And part of it would be, you know, being up at night watching videos, No, that's part of it. And the reaction you had when you saw a black woman with a bunch of people behind her with MAGA hats on, with a bullhorn, talking about conservative values when you're a Democrat, and reaction when it just morphed 
into what it has become, which probably was outside of anything that you ever thought would happen to where you ended up being red pilled. So please tell people who you were, where you were, and what happened that led to this transformation. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, again, I, you know, I just want to say thank you again for bringing me on. And my story is one that I, I do tell often because I feel like it resonates with so many different people who are who have been in the space that um, I've been in, who may be in that space right now, um, and even people who may not have uh, been in the space themselves. They probably know people who have been in this space before. So um, I love sharing it for that reason. But yeah, like you just said, I, I was a you know I was I was a, a bred and groomed Democrat for so many years. From the moment I came out of my mom's womb, I feel like I was being taught um, to think one way. Right when I went to school, when I turned on the radio, your your favorite athletes in Black America. I mean, you name it. These people are. Um, even to this day, spitting Democrat talking points. So, you know, like so many uh, in the black community, um, I didn't even consider uh, Republicans. I was always taught that Republicans were racist. And uh, there were a couple layers to my story, and I'll walk through them really quickly for you guys. Um, there was one moment back in school where, uh, you know, George W. Bush was going against Al Gore, you know, for president of the United States. And I remember my a teacher at the time, she said, hey, I want you guys to go home and I want you guys to write a paper um, on which candidate you support. And I want you to back it up with facts. At that point in time, I, you know, I wasn't really into politics like I am now, like I cared about it, but nothing like what I do today. Um, so I, but I was like, oh, you know, I'm going to look at both candidates. I'll see who I like and I'll just write a paper on them, not thinking anything of it. I came across um W and I started to like a lot of the things that he had done uh, back in Texas and just really his history. And, you know, he, he fascinated me. So I wrote the paper on him and I, again, I didn't think anything of it. I knew that my parents were talking about Democrats and this and that, but at the same time, again, I'm not really that interested in politics. I'm not thinking too deep. I'm like, it's just a paper. I show my mom this paper and uh, halfway down, you know, cause I'm excited. I'm like, I worked hard on this. She's going to love it. Halfway down the first page. Okay, and mind you, this this was a couple pages. I can't remember how many pages I wrote, but there were more than one page. I'll tell you that. Halfway down the first page, she um, she stopped and she looked up at me and she said, "You're not turning this in." And I, you know, and I go, "Why?" I'm like, "Is it a lot of grammar issues?" I'm thinking, "What's what's going on?" <laughs> she's like, <laughs> "She's like, we don't we don't support Republicans in this household. They're racist. They don't care about black people. They don't care about you and me. They you you're not going to support him. You're not going to embarrass." And those are the words that stick with me. You're not going to embarrass this family like that. Now, where were you growing up? What state are you in now? Is this in Maryland or is this in North Carolina? I was still in Maryland at the time. I was okay. still in Maryland at the time and. Uh, so she, she completely wanted me to rewrite the paper, you know, and again, this is my mom. So I'm like, mama knows best, right? Mama's right. So hold on now. Hold on, Pierre. Hold on, Pierre. Now, everybody (laughs) understand you're looking at a 15, 16, 17 year old youngster giving a paper to his mother, his mama. Don't forget this is his mother because she's still his mother. So keep going. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> she and I'm and I'm you know and I, I have this obviously this very healthy respect and admiration for my mom and so I'm like she knows best she knows what's right so I go back and I'm like I guess I'll rewrite the paper and I re- listen I rewrote the paper but there was something inside of me that still didn't feel right because across every everything that I came across I was not getting what my mom was saying this man and this party was I I, I just didn't find that in my research but 
I listened. I turned the paper in, got a good grade. But that was, for me, moment one where I knew I was a little different. Moment two, you know, came in college. I, I, I first attended before transferring and graduating elsewhere. I first started my collegiate career at a HBCU, a historically black college and university, for those out there who may not know what that is. Um, so I'm there. And during this time, there's a primary going on between Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama. Um, at this point, I'm a solid Democrat. I know I'm a Democrat, or at least I think I know I'm a Democrat. So I'm not even considering the Republican primary. I'm, it's the choices between Clinton and Obama right now. So, you know, everyone in that in that forum, it was like, who are you voting for? Why? Just, you know, everyone's getting the mic and saying their their, their piece. Um, everyone is saying Obama, right? There's a lot of black students in there. Obama, Obama, Obama. I get the mic and I say, I'm not sure. I don't know a lot about uh, Barack Obama. You know, I'm not a huge fan of Senator Clinton either at the time she was uh, Senator Clinton. I'm like, I'm not a huge fan of her either. But at the same time, um, I don't know where she's Senator. Either way, I, I knew more about her at that time than I knew about um, Barack Obama. So when I said that, though, that I didn't oh, know. Boy. Oh, the boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> the entire room completely i mean you could drop a you could drop a penny in there you would hear i mean it, it was it was dead silent everybody turned around and looked at me i got the worst looks ever the girl behind me she gets the mic and she says how could you as a black man this is how she started that how could you as a black man say you don't know who you're going to vote for and i'm waiting for her to finish this statement because i'm like there has to be more to this because me being black, what does that, what does that have to do with anything? And she's like, black people should should already know who they're supporting, and you know that really, I'm telling you, when I when that that room, you would have thought I killed someone's cat the way that everybody looked at me in that room. Like I knew after that that I was different again, but I kept going forward. I just was like, something is off with me and and this whole political thing. But I kept moving. It wasn't until late one night. A few years ago that I can't hold on, Pierre. Video. Hold on. I have to interrupt you. People, yep. I'll give you 20 seconds to go get your popcorn, people, or go get your <laughs> snacks. Cause sit down, because the movie is about to start. This is movie <laughs> stuff. So hope you give you a few seconds here to go get your snacks and a little a little drink. Please don't make it alcoholic. And now <laughs> sit down. Pierre is about to rock the house. <laughs> go ahead. Well, this is this is the this is the moment, and it's a it's a crazy it's so crazy thinking back on how my life changed in this moment. Um, you know, I'm I'm up late one night, and I have I'm I'm one of those people. And for those out there who understand, you you probably get where I'm about to say. I'm one of those yep. people. My brain at night it just moves, it just moves. I'm thinking, and I'm creative, and I'm researching things. And so I'm up late one night, and I come across a YouTube video. Um, of Candace Owens at the time. And I didn't know a ton about her. I'd heard her name somewhere, but I didn't know a lot about her. And it was a steal. It was, and I didn't, didn't hit play. It was a steal of like her standing there with a megaphone with um, a sea of minorities behind her in MAGA hats in front of the White House. And I'm sitting here like, what? <laughs> what kind of foolery is that? Like, what kind of tomfoolery? What kind of craziness? And excuse, you know, excuse the way that I was thinking, but I was like, this has to be some type of coon behavior. Because again, I'm trained to say those words and don't even know what I'm saying. But that's what I'm taught that I should be saying. So that's what I'm thinking. I'm like, oh, they must be some coons or Uncle Toms or something. That's what I know that they're supposed to call them. So, 
so I hit, I'm like, I got to hit play though. I have to hit play just for, for giggles. I have to hit play. So I hit play and I'm expecting to crack up at these people. Well, the opposite happened. She's spinning these facts about the single motherhood rate in black America. She's talking about black on black crime. She's talking about LBJ's policies that led to some, I mean, she, she's going into so many different things that no one ever, like no one explained it to me this way. She's talking about abortion. I mean, I was like, there's no way this stuff is true. There's no way that the black community is like this. There's no way we've been voting for Democrats this long, and this is what we're, that we're dealing with. I'm writing these things down because I'm like, I'm going to prove her wrong. I'm going to research all of this stuff. I'm going to prove her wrong. Every single point that Candace made, I researched, and she was correct about every single one. And I remember going through a range of emotions that night of like confusion, feeling lost, feeling just completely bamboozled. And I, the last emotion though is the one that I, that sits with me the longest. I was angry. I was angry. And then I was scared. So I was angry because no one really, again, no one explained it to me like this. And I got scared because I realized that I was alone and I'm okay with being that was scared. It, you would it, it was, it was almost like being in a horror movie. I'm like, who do I call? Like, who do I, who do I reach out to? Everyone around me that I know thinks the same way. I don't even know where to go with the information that I have. And that was a very lonely feeling, um, a very fearful feeling that I was, I was different. Um, so I kind of prayed, I prayed for a few months and I kept doing my research for a few months before I finally reached out to my parents. And I started with my, my dad, my dad was a little more receptive, um, to it. And he, but he still didn't like it. He was like, I don't know about this, but he wasn't as crazy as my mom. And the- <laughs> yeah, get to your mom. Okay. Here's meltdown number two. <laughs> my mom had a complete meltdown when I told her, I mean, I couldn't even get a word in after I, you know, said just a few things. She was, she was, she went left field with it and she was just so riled up full of emotion and anger and, It it just didn't make any sense of how upset she got. Uh, But nevertheless, I kept moving forward. My dad actually wrote me a couple of days later. And obviously he had been doing some research on his own. He was like, oh, I didn't know Republicans, you know, freed the slaves. And I didn't know. So my dad was at least more receptive. Right. Um, But the next big test was. was Hold on, on, Pierre. I I got to I got to I got to I got to stop right here. Since you said your dad was more receptive. Did you see the movie The Five Heartbeats? I did. Remember when Eddie Kane's girl was all out of control and one of the guys turned to Eddie and say, Eddie, don't you have your woman in check? <laughs> what? Yeah. Your father didn't have your mother in check? Well, see, my parents are my parents are divorced. So oh, they... <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. So my parents are divorced. So that was maybe that was <laughs> So he couldn't help you out trying to he couldn't say, Look, you're my wife. Let's sit down and Let's put our two heads together because this is our child here. Let's yeah. let's really reach the facts. Okay, I got it. Okay. Yeah. And by the way, even to this day, it's it's still kind of like that. Um, it's 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 still it's still in that way. But anyway, um, I I the next big test was was saying this publicly. So I you know I started with Facebook and I'm like okay I'm going to make a Facebook status. I can't remember the exact status I made, but I can tell you now compared to the things that I say today, I'm pretty sure it wasn't even that. It, it wasn't nowhere near how strong of a stance I take on things today. Either way though, I got a ton 
of hate and backlash and just I got called so many names. People were telling me I must be being paid by the Republican Party. And these are about people that these are from people that I knew. Some of these people I've known for years. I've personally helped them, whether it be financially or advice. Like they people who know my character, who it took one status of me disagreeing with them politically for them to attack me as if I was some dog on the street. Like it was it was it, it it fired me up more, though, and I can understand why some people shut down, because the way people attack me so quickly is why some people shut down when they're conservatives, especially black conservatives. They just don't want to deal with that. But for me, it's the opposite. Maybe God just built me different. I don't know. But it fired me up more because I tried to understand how could people turn against me so quickly that know me off of because I think differently politically how how could that happen that let me know that the democrats have been controlling black america like we are programmed to be a certain way there is no other reason why people would act that quickly you know almost like an army just ready to attack when something's different than what they've been told so i started speaking up more um it led me to the organization black which at the time was in its infancy candace and brandon had just started it and they were just kind of doing rallies in different cities uh, and Blexit was kind of in line with where I was. It was trying to help black people break free of the liberal left at the time. So I was like, hey, we need this in the community. We need this on the ground. We need to have one-on-one conversations. We need to show up meetings. So I um, created what is now called Blexit North Carolina, the first chapter ever. Um, and I didn't know if Candace would like it. I had no idea if she would even allow it once she saw it, if she ever saw it. Uh, well, Turns out she did see it. She saw our Instagram page and our Twitter. She DM me and she said, hey, I love what you're doing in North Carolina. I would love to jump on a call and talk about how we can do this across the country. I mean, you can imagine my amazement, right? This is the woman that I came across at like 3 a.m. in the morning, you know, mm-hmm. um, and, and, you know, and now she's DMing me. You know, she is messaging me. She's seeing what I'm doing. We get on this phone call. Um, long story short, I become um, one of two of her first hires with Blexit. I was, I, we were hired together, so I'm tied for first hire Blexit ever had. And now we've launched over 35 chapters across the country, over 12,000 members, and we're free in minds everywhere here. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's, it's an incredible blessing uh, to do what I do as National Director of Blexit each day. So, and my goal is that no one feels like I felt that early wee hours in the morning of loneliness, sadness, anger, who do I turn to? I fight against that every single day to make sure people know that there are others out there like them. They do not have to be Democrats. Uh, I, I love, I, I could hear that story every day and I would never get tired of it. We all have a story, but that one is so fantastic. And that what makes it, that's why I didn't say Candace's name. And uh, you said Brandon, for people who don't know, that's Brandon Tatum. If you don't know Brandon Tatum, go back to the previous show, United Patriots Uprising, Gary Benford podcast. He was a guest on there on the uh, Yes, There Are Black Conservatives. And uh, Brandon and Candace and Pierre, who started out as the national brand director and the brand has been dropped. So he is now blessed national director. So proud of you, man. And the, the, the again, the reason I didn't say Candace, I didn't want to throw that name out yet because that was the kicker to the whole thing. The woman that got him started that he saw on YouTube, now he's a part of her organization and way, way high up the chain. Uh, the, the, the thing and this I, I got to ask you this, Pierre, this is the hard part. The hard part, just like with me, when I was a Democrat, I got 
when I got saved, born again at 43, that's when I changed. Cost me all my friends, cost me everybody from my past, all my college buddies, my music business industry buddies, my family, anybody. You know, it's not that people, I, I didn't really get the hatred. It's just like people just kind of distanced themselves from me until they were gone. But it is so painful. Tell them not only what that was like for you, but here's the problem. You can't reason with them. When you give them the facts, it doesn't matter. Right, right. It's emotion. People are, I always say the left is triggered by emotion. Um, you know, I was actually watching a debate the other day, um, and it was, you could, you could clearly see that everything that they fight for is emotion-based. It's, the facts don't matter. It's, again, that's why I use the word training, and I don't say that lightly. I don't say like, oh, you shouldn't say people are trained. I'm saying it, okay? I think, and I was one of those people. I, we were trained to think a certain way. We were trained to attack our own. Black people were trained to attack black people if they stepped out of line. You know, it, we were trained that this was the only option. For us, it's a it, it literally is um, like the Democrats have infiltrated Black America through celebrities, through I mean just through culture. They've infiltrated the education system. Everyone is thinking the same way. That that's a problem. That is a problem. And I'm like, how are we? How can we honestly say that we're doing what's best? Or black people are like, oh, we're for Black people. How can you honestly say you're doing what's best for Black people by doing the same thing every single time, but yet you're still complaining? about where you are in America, but yet you're still voting for the same party every single time. I mean, it doesn't make any sense to me. Um, whereas facts, to me, I'm like, look, no matter what my emotions say, you can't change the fact. Now, fact. Now, it doesn't mean that you can't have your emotions. You, it doesn't mean you can't think compassionately, but it also means that you don't let them control you. And we're taught that, right? Any, my grandfather taught me that. Don't let your emotions control you. Don't, don't act out of anger. These are not foreign things that I'm saying, but yet the Democrat Party thrives on it. And that's why every election season, you see things like the George Floyd situation, Black Lives Matter comes out every election season, and they just rile everybody up and get everybody emotional because they cannot allow the Black community to focus on the progress, because if they do, they'll see none with Democrats in power. They need you to be focused, and I mean, they need you to be riled up emotionally so you can stay in line. Yeah, I, I understand what you're saying. Uh, what was it like? It seemed to me that the people the closest to you are pushed back the hardest because they feel betrayed because it's like, I thought I knew you and I thought you were one of us. Right. Yeah, I think to me, it's it's the opposite, right? It should be the opposite. The people who are closest to you should be the ones that know you the best and should defend you, even if they don't understand your reason or take the time at least to try to understand why you're doing what you're doing and the fact that those were the ones that were attacking me sometimes the most or they were at least joining in with others who barely knew me and they were uh, that that really bothered me and it also taught me that some of these people who are who i thought were my friends and some of my family members it doesn't necessarily mean that they're people that i can actually trust and be close to because i would have taken the time out to understand at least. And, I, and if I disagree, I would say that I, I still respectfully disagree, but I would still take the time out to understand what a person is, where a person is coming from. If it's someone that I've known for so long, like so many of these people have known me, it was disappointing to question my entire character. Again, when you've known me and to call me names and say these things, it was, it was beyond disappointing. But again, it kind of reaffirmed for me that what we have been going through in black America is so deep. It's so deep rooted 
that it's going to take a lot of work to break this mindset, to break the mindset that we do not have to walk in lockstep. We can challenge the norm. We do not have to do what the Democrats say. We, there are real facts out there, and I want to make sure that they get them. Yes, yes, indeed. And Pierre, one of the things that really, really got to me, once I became born again, a follower of Jesus Christ, what got to me, because a lot of these people we're talking about go to church. They may be, they call themselves Christians, they go to church. But when you go Bible on them, when you say, what does the Bible say about murdering? What does Jesus say about what you do to the least of these you do to me? The least of these are the unborn in the womb. What does it say about uh, same-sex marriage? What does it say that Jesus died to set us free, not to be put into captivity, that you're allowed, you should be able to keep what you earn, not have the yeah. government take it and spread it and share the wealth? Once, even if you go and use the same Bible, and they go to church every Sunday and wave their hand in the air like they just don't care, and you give them what the Bible says, it does no good. Yeah, well, the problem is we got too many woke pastors in America, too, and that's part of the problem. Some of these people are attending churches with pastors who are also bending the Word of God to fit today's times, and the Word doesn't change. The Word is the same. It doesn't matter what time it is. It doesn't matter what year we're in. The Word is going to be the same. But if you, but if you listen to some of these pastors, out here, you would think it evolves. You would think it changes because they, they're changing it with the times. They're changing scriptures and trying to fit their narrative, or they're just not talking about the ones they can't twist. We don't have enough pastors talking about abortion. I mean, I could be wrong. Maybe your listeners here in the conservative, I don't hear it in liberal America. I don't hear it in most churches. I don't hear it in most black churches. I don't hear that. I don't hear them talking enough about abortion. I don't hear them talking enough about same-sex marriage. It's um, like they're, they're going to they're gonna avoid these topics because they know that it may lead to some unpopular opinions in their church. So, um, I, listen, I, I think that we have a calling to stand up for the truth, stand up for the Word of God, no matter what people say, right? And I always tell people, when people get upset with me, I let them know I'm the messenger. I'm the, be- <laughs> I'm the vessel. The Word of God is clear. And I'm going to follow what, what's in the Word of God. So whether you like it or not, you can take it up with, 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 with God himself. But at the end of the day, you can't change that. But you, 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 see, you see liberals trying to—I'm going to say this. We can, I can see a day where the Bible is going to be banned as hate speech because we're getting there. We're getting to that point, okay? When a coach last year, last season, NCAA tournament got in trouble for praying, for praying with his basketball team, and that was a front-page story. I mean, it's ridiculous um, that we're at a time like this where we have to decide if we can even pray or can we say God out loud or we're going to offend somebody? Please, I'm going to continue to say it. I'm going to continue to preach the word of God. But we are getting to an point in America where it's going to be harder to do that without penalty. You're right. And amen to staying faithful to the word. Now, I'm going to tell you a story. uh, Now, this is not that long ago. It's only 1999. And I'm in a church, right? This is before, well, actually, I was just into my conversion, but I, I got saved in 1997. So, but I was still in predominantly black churches, and they're all Democrats, and I had no idea what was going on. But as I evolved and came to understand the word of God and became a conservative, right? This pastor, and there's two of them, they actually would preach the word and preach it right. And they would. They, uh, one church was in New Jersey, one was out here on Long Island. They preached the word right. 
And they talk about abortion and they talk about the sins of same-sex marriage. They talk about all these sins. And then at the end of the service, I kid you not, they would bring up all the Democratic Party politicians in the county or in the area, introduce them and say, these are our Democratic Party friends. Make sure you vote for them and then give them the microphone right in front of the pulpit to tell you what their agenda is about, which is the exact opposite of what he just preached. And that, that, that's, what, that's what we're up against. So people, for people that don't know, Blexit is the black exit movement. Its foundation's vision is to change the narrative that surrounds America's minority communities with a particular focus on African-Americans. If you wonder what Blexit stands for, family values, school choice, criminal mm-hmm. justice reform, limited government, economic freedom, and encouraging young people to get active in politics. So you are now Blexit's national director. Please tell people what Blexit did leading up to this election, which was stolen, and what you, what Blexit did in the past as, as, it, as, it, as it surrounded getting President Trump, got Donald Trump elected, and what is Blexit into now? Well, I will say, so Blexit, and I always preface this because we come at it from a different angle than a lot of political organizations. So Blexit is a 501c3 nonprofit. And um, so we come at it from a some of the pillars that you mentioned, the family-based angle, school choice. We, we focus on values, right? Um, mm-hmm. We believe the way that the Democrats got into and um, the, the, the left, I should say, got into Black America was through culture. I think that's the one thing that many conservatives may have missed. Um, and I will even say that as someone who was aligned with the, Democrat, the, the Democratic side for so long, um, I didn't see a lot of conservatives in the culture side of things. The Democrats have used um, culture to influence the black community. So that's what Blexit is doing. Blexit, if you ever come to one of our shows, you'll see that they're very upbeat. They're very inspiring. Right. Sorry. <laughs> very upbeat. You're going to see some cool LED lights and just different things there, but at the same time, you're going to hear our history from a perspective that people haven't heard it before. We're going to talk about prosperity. We're going to talk about how this is the greatest country on earth. We're going to talk about the importance of the nuclear family. There's going to be a, a lesson um, in the midst of all of that. Uh, you see Candace Owens in many ways. She takes on the Cardi B's and the people of the world. And so people say, oh, why does she need to battle with that person? You know why? Because it's, as silly as Cardi B is, she has millions of followers. Followers, right. Are, right. who are listening to what she is saying. So Candace is unafraid uh, to take on people like that. She doesn't care what your celebrity status is. Um, we are on the ground in the community. We are out there doing community cleanups. We do food drives and clothes drives, similar to what the left does. But the difference between ours is the left will do it and continue to do it, not teaching these people how to get away from these things. We don't want you to have to always come back to our food and clothes drives. We want you to be able to provide food for your family, for yourself at some point, and to be able to provide clothes for your family, for yourself. So we're teaching you while you're at our events. We're connecting you with local um um, business owners in the community. We host job fairs and things like that. We want you to get on your own feet. We do interview training, resume writing, uh, help service. I mean, we want people to stand on their own feet and not be dependent on the government, okay? We don't believe that government dependence, dependency is the answer. We want a father in the home. We talk about that. We don't believe in the old LGBT um, push and the transgender. No, we want, we know what the Bible says. We know what works for America. Obama himself, whether he, he might regret saying these words, none of his party is so far left, uh-huh. but he himself read the stats about the, the difference between having a father in the home and not having a father in the home. 
Okay. So, you know, I, Blexit very much is attacking through community and culture. And I, I think we saw a shift. I know people are very upset about the way the election went down. I am as well. But if you look at some of the data, the, 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 the vote with black men doubled. Okay, the vote as for black people all around went up, but the vote for black men in particular doubled for Trump. And you have to remember from what to what? Do you remember the I numbers? I think it's nine to eighteen percent, almost twenty percent. Almost went to twenty percent with men. And I will say this: that's a huge improvement, especially considering the fact that they said that Trump was the racist man in America. You have to remember they were attacking him. Every single day. I mean, they've always attacked Republican presidents, but not to the extent that we've seen with President Trump. I have never seen a president undergo what he has undergone. Um, And they were I mean, everything was he's racist. He's this. He's that. And we were still able to break through a lot of the cracks. And that was one sign um, that we're moving in the right direction. And this is going to be a hard fight, Gary. I wish I could tell all your all your listeners today that we would be able to just do it in one election cycle. I, I, I wish I could. I cannot. I got to be fair. But I'm going to tell you right now, we're seeing the trends. I think people, um, hopefully you guys saw what we did in October last year when we took everybody to the White House. We had over 2,000 minorities. Yes. Mm-hmm. Estimated White House to see President Trump after COVID. I mean, we are moving. Uh, and and, and Blexit is breaking through. Right. What is the focus on today? Not only the focus, but tell people the type of speakers that you have, because you you get Larry. I'll let you tell some. some It's an all star lineup of speakers that that you have speaking and also address, although it is the black exit movement. A lot of the people that support Blexit are not black. Right. Yep. So we have support from everyone. That's important to know. So we said even in our, our, our website, we put a particular focus on african-american community but we we tell everyone that we want everyone to understand that it takes all of us to do this so a lot of our our, our members some of our leaders are white from different backgrounds hispanic it doesn't matter we welcome everyone we are not just a black organization that's a big misconception we bring in even people like will wish to speak at our rallies as well um we want everyone to know that the end game for black is a united america Okay, not a not a divided America like Black Lives Matter wants it. But we yeah, we have Candace Owens, of course, that headlines um, our rallies and our bigger events. Brandon Tatum, of course, Larry Elder, the amazing Larry Elder comes in. Yeah, um, huge like there. Um, we get Dinesh um, often. D'Souza, Dinesh D'Souza, <laughs> yeah. right? Dinesh D'Souza. Uh, we've had David Harris Jr. Um, come to rallies. Terrence Williams. Um, again, we've had Will Witt. A lot of different all-star people. We're actually talking with Burgess Owens right now, as well as Herschel Walker. Um, you know, a lot of incredible people that have been part of the Blexit family at one point. Um, you know, even Kingface before he passed away. Just a before lot of he passed a lot of, away, right? Yeah, a lot of different dynamic. And and and, and thing you'll notice in the people that I name is that they all have different styles, right? So because we realize that. Everyone is different. And someone like when King faced again, rest in peace, when he was here, he may resonate with someone, but then someone else may, you know, it may be, it may take Larry Elder to get right. him. Like everything's different. And what they, um, who, who helps red pill them? Because <laughs> we got to remember these events are for black members, supporters, but it's also for those who want to understand more. That is the audience that we're reaching. We're not just celebrating ourselves. We're, we're reaching to those people who were like me at that 3 a.m., when I was watching that 3 a.m. video, and we want them to hear a message in a way that they haven't heard it before. 
Right. And I will say this, if you've ever watched their events or looked at their events, and some of them you can see some of the replays or some of the events are part of it on YouTube or on other uh, other platforms, their events are not stodgy conventions. They are highly entertaining and not only entertaining, but they're truthful. You you used to be out in the crowd interviewing people. You know, they they yeah. you know, they and and people are coming from all over the country, all over the chapters, people coming from all over, converging on the last one that I watched in its entirety was in Greenville, South Carolina. Shortly after mm -hmm. I had been there for the Rock the Red, it it was, and, and you can just see something that you said, I want to be a part of that. So it's a it wonderful thing that you guys are doing. And the beautiful thing is you've proven to be real. You have passed the test of time because a lot of organizations that propped up to take on the Democratic Party when Donald Trump was running for president, you know, after this election was stolen, a lot of those groups have just faded away. Yeah. You yeah. have not. will be here to stay. We are, we are here to stay. We have so much more in store. We're getting into the education uh, field. Uh long-term goal is to launch a school as well. Uh, we, we are here to stay and we have big plans for 2022. Oh, that's so great to hear. Pierre, thank you for coming on. Please tell the people how they can reach you, how to reach Blexit and anything you'd like to promote. Absolutely. So um, to reach, I'll start with Blexit. So if you want to be a part or join a chapter, go to Blexit.com slash chapters. Again, Blexit.com slash chapters. At the bottom of any state, you can click on any state, you'll see an option to join a chapter. If your state is not highlighted, don't get discouraged. We are going to finish every state uh, by the end of next year. So if your state is not highlighted, still join um, and we will reach out to you if you're in a state that's not highlighted. Um, also to reach me, uh, you guys can go to PierreNWilson.com. Don't forget that N is for my middle name. N is in Nicholas, uh, PierreNWilson.com. Uh, you can support me there. And also my social handle on Instagram is at DPierreWilson. And it's the same for Twitter at DPierreWilson. Well, Pierre, once again, thanks for coming on and continue to do what you do. Stay under the Lord's protection because you need it, because I know there's some head knockers out there and there's a bunch of people out there is always trying to get in you guys' faces. But the thing that I love about the what I've seen from both you, Candace and Brandon, is you guys don't back up and take no prisoners. Like if they want to get in your face, you're not going to punch them out. Well, Brandon may think about punching them out, but he won't. <laughs> <laughs> you know, being a former cop, he's not going to do that. But I know he's thinking it probably. But what you're going to do, you're going to fight them with facts. You're going to fight them with the truth. And then all they can do is either run away or call you a name, right? Absolutely. The truth right. is on our side. Amen. Well, thank you. And thank you. And continue to fight because this is a war. This is a war against an insurgent, against a communist insurgent. They're trying to take over this country. The goal is to twofold, to take away our constitutional republic form of government, but also the big goal to get God and Jesus out of this country. Because that's the only way you have got communism, because people are either going to look to a benevolent God for their sustenance or they're going to look to government, not both. So once again, yeah. thank you, Pierre, for coming on. Thank you for having me. God bless you. There you go, everybody. Mr. Pierre Wilson, quite a story. I, I could listen to that story of him getting red pilled every day and never get tired of it. My next guest is accomplished as an executive in both the corporate and nonprofit worlds who saw a need in the community to educate Jews 
on the drastic and alarming changes happening within the Democrat Party. Inspired by Ivanka Trump's Women Global Development and Prosperity Initiative, Michelle co-founded the Trump Towel, where proceeds go to Gold Star families for their service to our country. As co-chair for the Jews for Trump coalition during the 2016 elections, Michelle championed for Israel's rights and rallied on Capitol Hill against anti-Semitism. She is the president and founder of Jexit, the Jewish Exit Movement. And this movement is as strong or stronger than it was when it was supporting President Trump in the last two elections. I'm glad to bring to the show Michelle Terrace, Sophia Manalesco, and Marie Fisher from Jexit. How's everybody? Great. Oh, nice to be I'm on the show. Hey, hey, there we go. That's what I want to hear. And it's glad, you know, you've been on with me before when the show was live. I'm glad you've come back now that's a podcast. And uh, we're going to start with you, Michelle, because this is your baby and this is what you started. So when and why did you form Jexit and tell people exactly what the movement was when it started, what it's doing now, and why it's still around where a lot of movements of people that were leaving the left after this election was stolen, have just totally vanished? Well, it's a very good question, and it's an interesting question, because Jexit was founded shortly after or during the, you remember the supervisor of elections protest in Lauder Hill um, with the Brenda Snipes uh, Stop the Steal? We were the original people that started to stop the steal. We actually found the SNFs balletized in the parking lot. And simultaneously, while we were bringing national attention to them, testing and attempting to steal the election, and then it was a you know precursor of what was to come in 2020, Laura Loomer was, was also following a rental car that had provisional ballots. So, so the, the, the interesting thing about it is that a bunch of Jewish women who didn't know one another all converged on the grounds in Lauder Hill in, in Florida to stop the steal. And it was, it was kind of like, you know, meta, it was like a metaphor for channeling the spirit of Esther to save our, uh, our state you know, in hindsight, to to re, to elect Governor DeSantis and stop Gillum. And at that point, we felt so empowered as Jewish women. And we were dealing with the H.R. Uh, 183 and with with the squad. We just said, you know what, we're going to go to Washington, D.C. We're going to stand on Capitol Hill. We're going to call out the squad. We're going to call out anti-Semitism. And we just we just really thought we could move mountains. I mean, we were that empowered, uh, you know, whether it was naivete or what whatnot. Uh, All I can tell you is, is that we created a movement and we're still here today and we're still fighting the good fight. But now we are mobilizing our uh, our Jews and our evangelicals, our Christians, who are the best friends 
and the greatest supporters of Israel and Jews, much more than the left, of course, American left. And in doing so, we are really sticking true to what we were called to do as Jews, to be a light unto the nations. And we are the Judeo to, to the Christian uh, uh, worldview that this country was founded upon. And in dealing with a Marxist takeover right now, where they want to remove God from the public square, we will speak. We will stand against that, and we will never allow it on our watch. That's wonderful to hear, and it is so needed because the left has just has so many groups, different groups that form together, and they they are against the Judeo-Christian values. They're against our Constitution. They're against the flag. And they may think they want equity and they may think they want inclusion, but what they don't realize is what they're really going to get is socialism and then full-blown communism. Marie, uh, having been born black and converted to Judaism, right, mm-hmm. why do well, – well, you can go both ways if you want. You can go from the black side and uh, definitely you're going to go from the Jewish side, but why – do Jews primarily vote for Democrats? They, 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 they serve them no purpose. Why? Everything, everything that, that they stand for and everything that any, that the Jews and even blacks would want freedom. So why do they vote for bondage? Well, you'd be surprised if you sit there and you talk to anybody of either group, a lot of them will say, well, that's what I thought was expected of me or that's how my parents voted, or that's how my friends, a lot of them have, if you sit and really ask them, why did you vote that way? Other than, you know, tell them, tell them, say, you know, don't give me the, you thought that's what's expected. A lot of them really can't tell you. They just do it at a sense of almost loyalty. But I understand why, because when you look at the Democrat Party, they have no loyalty to blacks. They have no loyalty to Jews. The only time they're loyal to them is to black America when they want their votes. As we saw in this last election, they spouted, you know, racism, 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 and it still didn't help them, especially in Virginia. And they're loyal to Jews because most people don't know, 25% of the DNC's budget comes from Jewish donors. You go. So that's why they're loyal to the vote. They need the blacks for the votes and, you know, they need Jews for the money for like a fourth of their budget. But if you sit and talk to, say, someone who's black and Jewish, just on a one-on-one, and you start talking to them, even if they're not, you know, Republican, you talk to them and say, why are you Democrat? They believe in A, B, C, D. And when people sit and and they listen and they think about it and they say, you know, they really don't align with me. And especially now more than ever before, people realize you've got, a party that's pushing, forget abortion, they're pushing infant side. You've got a party that is pushing for um, non-citizens to vote. You have a party that wants to give millions and millions and millions of dollars of people who've come here illegally, yet they're neglecting our veterans, they're neglecting our elderly people who have built this country. And I think people are starting to see that. They're finally waking up and seeing that this party is not for us. This is not for me. This is not for my family. This is not how I will prosper or my children or my grandchildren. I mean, it's taking a while because they own the media, but people are seeing reality. 
And I hope you're right, Marie. But here's here's my here's my fear. I would have bet everything I own that Jews and blacks would not have voted for Barack Obama the second time after they saw what a monster he was as far as, you know, being against everything that of Judeo-Christian nature in the Constitution and where he was trying to take us down the socialist rabbit hole. And then after they saw the Trump economy and after they saw Trump moving the embassy from Tel Aviv to, to Jerusalem, and after they saw what Trump did for Christians and Jews in the United States and his protection and love of Israel, then they go back and the second time, even though the election was stolen, voted again. My problem yeah. is the Jews and blacks always seem to vote for the Democrats, but even not, when they know. But not completely, because if you look at the numbers, there was movement. I mean, you saw there was the first time they said in a presidential election, a Republican got double digits from the black community in over 50 years, not since Eisenhower. So this is a start. It's not 100% there because you still got this media who are just, you know, bashing, bashing, bashing. But it's a start. And you see in the Jewish vote, I know in the Orthodox community, I think it's like almost 90% are conservative or vote Republican. Right, right. So it is a slow push. It's not going to happen overnight. And like you said, some, a lot of people just, they're afraid. A lot of them don't want to deal with their family or friends or deal with the fallout. And my opinion is, why are you telling anybody what you're voting for? Is your vote is private? That's why they have a voting booth with curtains and everything. It is your private vote. You need, people need to vote their conscience. Marie, you just, you, Marie, you just hit on something that's so important. This is what is so exasperating about this. You can say whatever you want to your friends, but once you go in there, nobody knows what you're doing and what you're voting for, but they still vote the wrong way. Oh my gosh. Oh, the pain is Joe Benigno. I know you probably don't know who Joe Benigno is. He's a, he was a sports commentator up here in New York and he was a Jet and Met fan and their teams, our, our teams always stink and he'd always go, oh, the pain. Sophia, you know the pain. Because you have come from a communist country, so you know the final outcome <laughs> if we go down this rabbit hole and continue down this way. So I'm just going to drop the mic and you tell people if they want socialism, if they want this Democratic Party, what they're about to get. Well, um, let me begin by telling you a short little story of my my first day in Canada after we left. We immigrated from from Romania to Canada and then to the United States. And at the time, Canada, of course, was doing a lot better than than it is now. But um, my father and I, I was 11 years old, and we walked into a supermarket, and which is the equivalent of Publix. And the door opened in the supermarket called Steinberg's. And outside it was hot, and we walked through these cool automatic doors. And all these products presented before us, there were pineapples and bananas and oranges and chewing gum of every imaginable color and free plastic bags. Because, of course, in, in, in socialism, in, 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 in Ceausescu's dictatorship, there were no plastic bags. And I was struck by all the, the opulence of living in an American society, in a North American society. And, you know, continuing from, you know, from Canada to the United States, I got here and the, the variety and the colors and the services were even more plentiful 
And to, to go from having, you know, uh, two pairs of shoes available in a store with, you know, going with the, the, the card, we would get this ration card in Romania. You didn't just walk into a supermarket and pick your food. You walked in with a ration card. There were no products on the shelves. You would walk in and what you were allocated, that's what you would get. There was no such thing as variety. You went to buy shoes, you know, little children's shoes. We would walk into a store, and there were two kinds of shoes. That was it. There was no variety, no color, no customer service. no. So, But we, we felt in our inner beings that there must have been more out there. This is why these societies eventually collapse. This is why the society in Romania, the communist society, eventually collapsed. It's because people have this, this feeling inside that, that there's oppression and there has to be more out there. And I, I realize these are just material examples, but this is what I'm starting with because I was struck, I was reading an article in, in Bloomberg um, online the other day where they were saying that, you know, it's not a bad thing if we don't have as many products as, as what we're used to having. And it's not a bad thing if we have more uh, quality products rather than a variety of products, you know, when they were trying to sell this idea that, you know, which, which by the way, Bernie Sanders was talking about when he said, you don't need 10 kinds of deodorant when you can have free healthcare when he was citing Cuba uh, several years ago. Uh. So we're, we're talking about people who have <laughs> this idealism of, that they want to impose on other people where they want to limit our choices. And I think that that's the, as we see now with what's going on with the pandemic, how our choices are beginning to get limited. I think that people are going to start to realize, and maybe not the hardcore ones yet, but but the ones who are in the middle, the independents, are starting to realize that, wait a minute, what's going on here? You know, if I like my, my green deodorant that smells like, you know, fresh mint, why can't I get my green deodorant that smells like fresh mint? And so by, by beginning to take things away from people, they're starting to realize what's going on. But it's very, it's hard to explain to leftists what socialism is because they've convinced themselves that socialism is, is good, that, you know, they'll give this argument that social security, you know, is socialism, which is a complete, it, it's a fallacy. First of all, it's not socialism. Second of all, look how poorly the program is ran. You know, instead of, mm-hmm. instead of trying to make that program better, they want to create more programs, citing this one program as if it was the end all of, of, of how great socialism is. And, you know, it's not socialism. It comes from God. Taking care of our elderly is, is a commandment, is in the Torah, it's in the Bible. It's something that, you know, everything that the socialists are trying to take control of and say that it's theirs and it's their idea, it's a scam. We've always had it. It comes from religion. It comes from a good conscience. And it's not implemented through the state. It has to be implemented through people's hearts and mentalities. And so we're, we're seeing this entire this movement that's based on absolute complete lies. And they believe it. And they believe it because they trust the media. They trust the messages they're hearing. You know, you were, you were talking with Marie about why so many people still continue to support the left. Um, and that's because, you know, I learned this in communism. They try to hijack your emotions. Once they've hijacked your emotions through propaganda, then they've got you. And there's no more arguing if everybody in your entourage agrees with your emotions. So we have the media and we have the movie stars and we have the politicians and we have this entire segment and they're all agreeing with each other. And socialism is a lie and it's, it's 
based on mesmerism, based on fooling people, right? And all these people are getting fooled because their emotions have been hijacked. And we're sitting here on the sidelines slowly trying to explain to them that that's not what really happens, that socialism is not social security. You know, socialism is government-controlled industry and government-controlled production and government-controlled distribution, which is what they're looking to do. And trying to explain that, it can be a little frustrating because they, you know, we get the argument back that, oh, that's not the kind of socialism we're going to have, as if they're going to have anything, right? The, the left is under the impression, the leftist voter is under the impression that they will have a say in how the government is going to, to regulate and rule. And the truth of the matter is that once you give government power, as a voting citizen, you no longer have power. It doesn't matter if the ideology of the person is on the left or on the right. So we're talking about you know, people who want to be deprived of their power because they've been fooled into thinking that they're going to have more power for some reason, which they're not. Well, you know, you, you've laid that out so adroitly. And the, the thing, like uh, on my previous show, God and Government Do Religion and Politics Mix, I had Virginia Prodan on, who is from Romania. And, and I love having people like her and you on the show who've come from communist countries to tell people what it's really like. So, my, so, so are you really saying when you talk to people and say, hey, look, I lived it, I was there, I've been there, been there, done that, bought the T-shirt, burned it. Do they listen or they or like when you give them the, your personal experience and explain to them, this is exactly what I saw there. This is what is starting to happen here. You're telling me they don't get it when they talk directly to you? Well, they don't because they, they the second argument that they have other than Social Security is, you know, Scandinavian socialism. Now, that's not so the same thing, from, you know. Right, I, I, yeah. right. But they go from from talking about about you know how great socialism is because of social security, which sucks. Okay, mm-hmm. and and they go straight into but we don't want socialism like what you had in a communist dictatorship. We want the Norwegian type of socialism. So they're under the impression that that these tiny Nordic countries that have more of, they produce more natural resources than they could ever possibly need for their population. So it's easy for the government to have control over that and keep it fair. Plus they're taxed 70, 80%. They, they're, right. It's not America, uh, but they don't understand or they'll, they'll look at Canada and say, well, look at Canada. And I try to say to them, well, I've lived in Canada. And you know, there's a reason I came to the United States of America, okay? Because mm-hmm. Canada is not America. There's no such thing as the Canadian dream. All right. There's uh, no, you know, just the a, United States of America. You're not yeah, something to sorry. say. Just to chime on. in a bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just to chime in a bit. If yeah. I recall, the Norwegian companies got Norwegian countries got mad last year because they said we're not socialist. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know? And they got they so have two true. people. When you have two people, it's not that hard. First off, then look at their military. They, they need mm-hmm. protection. They they can't protect themselves. I mean, it, it it's it's nope. it's crazy, but. Thank you for that answer, Sophia and Marie. Uh, uh, Michelle. uh, Gary. Yes. Socialism to me is communism with lipstick. Yes. Thank you. Uh, (laughs) Thank you, Michelle. This is Michelle speaking. (laughs) Communism with lipstick. So, yeah. Yeah. We can go there. So speaking about this, uh, one of the, you know, one of the big things about uh, our president is he is not a socialist. 
So, Michelle, I would like you to talk about President Trump's relationship with the Jews and his support of Israel, which started way, way back when he first you know, announced he was running in 2016 and obviously continues today. He's been the greatest friend to Israel and the Jews ever, all-time greatest friend. And I know from somebody personally who knows that he is extremely disappointed and hurt. I mean, the guy has feelings, you know, he's Mm -hmm. hurt by the community. He doesn't understand. The embassy was moved. No one has has attempted to, to do what he has done for for the Jews and the Jewish community. So he doesn't understand how we can be so ungrateful. But you have to take into into account that the 70% of the American Jews, number one, they really don't care. And I, it just pains me to say it, and I know that Sophia and Marie will, will agree. They don't care about Israel. And we... We are very bold in stating that Israel is the Jews' security, our insurance. Look at what's happening today. Anti-Semitism is at an all-time high. I mean, you're not hearing about the people getting stabbed in New York, all over the country, the the pogrom in California. So that in and of itself, I can take it back to what the girls were stating about you asking why. The truth of the matter is, is that American Jews ideology is their religion. They're secular leftists and they really don't identify. They don't really care about Israel. And to me personally, I feel they've lost their identity as a Jew. So whatever President Trump has done, it doesn't matter. It doesn't really matter to them because they are Democrats. That's their religion. You know, that, that is so, so sad to hear. Uh, before you tell people, Michelle, how to reach your organization and people in your organization, please tell the people what Jexit's message is like for the country. Because your national group, what do you want people to know about where we go from here well in our in our our mission statement for instance we state that american jews as well as those around the world are facing an existential crisis and and the anti-semitism both here and abroad is on a precipitous rise so although jews have traditionally been a bulwark of the democrat party in fact it's so biblical they're even funding our own demise right (laughs) They're supporting J Street. They're support, you know, they, they, they're funding the BDS, if you will. It's mm. so backwards. It's so upside down. But you see what we're facing today. We're really in a spiritual battle for the soul of our nation and for our very own soul. So we we try to uh, to to educate people. We stand up. We speak out. We speak for the 6 million Jews who had no voice, Gary. Do you realize that in Palm Beach County School Board, there's Holocaust denial? Mm-hmm. Yes. There's, yep. there's, a, there's, a, there's a, the, 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 the temple where my children went to school here in Plantation. They will not let you go to shul if you don't 
if you don't if you're not vaccinated, but they will, however, allow you to quote uh, lie to get into a service if you just omit the fact that you are. I, I mean, it's it's so hip, it's hypocritical. I don't even. We've lost our moral compass, and uh, you know we're 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 doing many different things. We're involved with other organizations. We're doing an Israel. I'm directing a show called Israel Showcase. We are trying to educate the masses on Israel and the importance of Israel being like the the, the it's the eighth uh, country. The, they're eighth in the world now for what the, for for inventions and what they've produced and their 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 um, uh, contributions to the rest of the world. People are truly uneducated, and by us speaking out, we're able to really um, break that barrier. We're able to unite. Uh, we are able to you know we're trying to teach that the you know the Democrat Party for decades the American Jews supported the, the Democrat candidates, but the party has undergone the seismic alarming change. They uh, uh, I mean it's there's just so many so many different aspects in what what boils down to what we talked about that the removal of of God from the public square with the Marxist movement. And actually, what's what's really sad is that there is a red green alliance where the the uh, the jihadis and the Marxists have joined forces for the common goal, which is the destruction of America. And we are reaching out to our Christian brothers and sisters and those who love God, family, and country to unite Republicans to unite for the common goal, which is freedom and to save this country from tyranny. Amen to that. Michelle, uh, please tell people how to reach you or the or Sophia or Marie, how, how, how you work this, however, to reach Jexit, your websites or anything you'd like to promote. Sophia, you want to take that or you want me? I can tell you. JexitUSA.org is our website. J-E-X-I-T-U-S-A.org. On our website, you will find everything you need to know about us, all of our social media, and you can join our website to get our uh, email blast and all of the other things that we're involved with. We started a new club in uh, Broward County to try to turn Broward red, which is, as you know, Broward is probably going to be all, all eyes on Broward to move the needle enough to reelect DeSantis again, you know, once again. Um, Broward is a, is a strange place. <laughs> so we started the, the America First Patriots Club to kind of appeal to Biden buyers, remorse people, as well as independents. To, you know, the idea behind that is to, to focus on what unites us versus what divides us. That's what the left does. That's what the media does. We are looking to what unites us versus what divides us. And so far, we have had standing room only, and we are taking back this country from uh, county, from the counties, from legislation, to school board, to library. Sophia, you can fill in on that. She's, she's a new precinct uh, committee woman, and, that's how, and, and Marie as well. We're to, that's how we're taking back our country. Well, thank you yes, very, very much. Very Go ahead. Yeah, it, it's very yeah, important. Very important people who... People who want to uh, follow out, it's AmericaFirstPatriotsClub.com. 
is the website. And as for the general public in general, if they want to know how they can help the country, precinctstrategy.com. Very important. Join the school board. Join the library board. That's where the Democrat Socialists of America are infiltrating right now at the lowest level. So very important that people join their library boards and keep an eye on what's going on there. I know it sounds like a, oh, library board. Very, very important. Very important because that determines what books are on the shelves and what aren't. I thank you all, Marie Fisher, Sophia Manalesco, and Michelle Terrace, the founder and president of Jexit. Thank you very much for coming on the show and continue doing what you're doing. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Uh, Very well. There you have it, everybody. And there's one thing I want to close by saying. Notice there's a whole bunch of Holocaust denial going on in America. That movement is rising among people denying the Holocaust, among liberals. But notice the flip side, while denying the Holocaust, they're ramping up and never want to ever want us to forget slavery. They don't want to deny slavery. They're just throwing slavery to the top of the heap as if it happened yesterday. Why? Because it fits their agenda. We've talked about Blexit, the black exit movement. We've talked about Jexit, the Jewish exit movement. And to close out the show, let's get into the Latino exit movement, Lexit. Jesse Holguin is an ex-gang member who gave his life to Christ. Boy, you can't do anything better than that. He founded Lexit to help educate Latinos and encourage them to vote godly moral values. Lexit is the biggest conservative Latino organization in America with chapters all over the country. And uh, when President Trump was running the last time, uh, Jesse and his people were at the forefront of flipping around the Latino vote. I am very happy trying to get this done when my show is live. We finally were able to get Jesse on right here, right now on the Gary Benford podcast here. I welcome to the show, Jesse Holguin. How are you, Jesse? Thank you. I'm doing great, brother. I'm blessed. I just thank you for having me on, brother. Gary. You are blessed. Yes. And let's start there. Let's forget Lexit for a moment. Let's talk about you. Tell them who you used to be and what led to you becoming who you are now? Yeah, I was a former uh, gang member from over here in uh, La Fuente, uh, California. So should I go through my whole testimony or like that or no? Just real quick. Hey, tell it, just wrap it down. Oh, uh, just real quick. I'll try to make it quick, but so I was an ex-gang member uh, like that. I, I grew up my whole life. I always wanted to be a gang member, like maybe other kids or maybe want to grow up to be an athlete or a movie star or something like that. My goal, as far as I could always remember, was to be a gang, to be a gang member. So being like that, because every single male in my family was a gang member. My father, my uncles, my brothers, my cousins, every single male. So I always grew up looking up to gangs, looking at gangs. So I got in a gang very young. And uh, I started, by like, all my family had a good reputation around my neighborhood. So I started doing, trying to earn my own name. So I was doing shootings and stuff like that. And um, I ended up getting incarcerated at 16 for several shootings. So I went for several years. By the time I got out, I was all institutionalized. I was all crazy after several years in the youth authority. So being like that, I ended up being a shot caller for my gang. So I had the power. I could tell my homies, you, 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 go to this shooter, you go and do whatever. 
But I used to just like team shooters. That was my thing and all that. I got to do shootings and guns and like that. So um, my story started well is because I was working. Uh, I was working with some older Christian men, and he was an ex-gay member. And uh, he started sharing the gospel with me. And that night, I was supposed to do another shooting. Me and my homeboys, we had the store the car, we had the guns and all that. They were just waiting for me to get off of work. We we're going to do another shooting. So uh, around so they're working. And my boss, he started sharing the gospel with me. In my whole life, I was raised Catholic and all like that. And I never heard it the way he was sharing the gospel. He was talking about Jesus. And was, that's I'm listening to him. That's why anybody that's listening to this, don't ever get discouraged when you're sharing with people thinking they're not hearing you. Because if at the time, if you would have asked him, he'd probably say, listen, go ahead. He ain't listening to me. But I heard what he was saying. He was sharing with me. So I told him, you know what? All that sounds good. Maybe one day, if I ever get married or something like that, maybe I'll go to church. But I told him, but I'm not ready. Uh, I don't want to be a hypocrite. I'm not. I don't want to be a half step. But maybe one day I'll go to church. And then I said, but you know what? I don't even think I could be forgiven. And then he's like, um, you never heard the story about like King David in the Bible? And I said, no. And he was like, he was a great man of God. He was sleeping with the soldier's wife. He had him killed. And he started missing something. Oh, my. oh wow. So then I go into one of the rooms, and I thought about everything he was saying, and it's my concern. At that moment in my life, I had seen the greatest that you could hope for in that lifestyle. Like any little gang member's game and all that, when they get in the game, I achieved. I was running my neighborhood. I had the power. I had women. I had respect. Like I had everything that you could hope, and I still wasn't happy. So I told, I was in that room, and I was painting because I was a painter, and I thought about everything he was saying. So I told God, I prayed, but I don't know how to pray or nothing like that. But I said, God, help me to change. And sure enough, as soon as I got off of work, we went, we did the shooting, boom, 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 boom. We got in a high-speed chase, we crashed. And then, long story short, I was in the county, and I had seven felonies. Like, I already had just did years for shooting. And then uh, got busted again in the act. I was in the county, seven felonies, looking at life. And uh, I thought about everything that the dude was telling me again. So I started, I prayed in the county and I don't remember the words I said, but the saying is true that God knows your heart and he knew my heart because I prayed and uh, I was just telling God, God, if you give me one more chance to get out, I promise I'll never touch a gun again, I'll do good, and you know what I mean? All like that kind of stuff. And then um, I got saved though, because that, so that I prayed and then I went to sleep. And when I went to sleep, I had like a dream and something came in my dream. Like I, I couldn't. Tower, it was like some kind of evil something, a demon or something. It was in my dream, and I couldn't see the face, but you know, you could just sense the mm-hmm. evil, and it was like furious, and it was on me in my dream. And in my dream, I was scared, but then I said, you know what, Jesus. And I started saying, Jesus forgave me. And when I started saying that to him, it left. And when I woke up, I was a totally changed person. But I didn't understand what was going on with me, but I just felt something inside of me was dramatically changed because I remember before that day, like just a regular daytime, like right now, 11 o'clock in the afternoon or whatever, I'll be thinking in my head, I can catch my enemies like this. I can run up on them and blast on them like this. And I used to always only think of things like that. And you shouldn't worry me. I said, like, man, what's wrong with me? How come I never think about is how to hurt people like that? What's wrong with me like that? But after when I prayed that night, all those evil thoughts and all the evilness inside of me, it was totally changed. But I didn't understand what was going on. So I started reading my Bible. And I remember when I used to be in juvenile hall and the youth authority and like that, I used to try to read my Bible. 
but it used to be boring to me. It was boring. I didn't understand it. It was like nothing to me. But after that day when I, I got saved and all that, and I started reading my Bible, the Bible came alive to me. And not only did it come alive to me, I was hungry for it. So I was growing, learning like that, and I was doing Bible studies in the, in the county jail. They had like, you know, they were doing Bible studies. So I was doing that, so I was like learning, right? But the mistake I made was I tried to walk on both sides of the fence. I was still kicking it with all the fellas, all the guys in there. But then I would be reading my Bible and trying to go to Bible. So I was trying to do both. And then uh, the devil, that don't last very long, you know, the devil is. So I went up, I got blessed. I only got several years. So I went up to prison and I went to a level three yard. And anybody that knows California prisons, uh, travel level threes and level fours, that's where all the murderers and the lifers and wow. the gun at all times and all of that. And so how old were you? How old yard. were you? How old were you when you went last to time? Yeah. Uh, I think 23. Wow. Yeah, 23. And then so I went up to the level three yard. So then my first day on the yard, they were like, hey, we need you to do things. And so I started getting in fights, going to the hole, just how it is in, in prison like that. And I started doing a bunch of stuff in prison. And I even started getting power in prison. Like they gave me the keys to my area in prison in a level three yard. So I had the power even getting it prison like I was like that and then so the day I got out all my homeboys were at my house they had me a party it was my family and my homeboys and this and that so I was right there and then all my little youngster homies and that they were like hey, we're so glad that you're out the hood hasn't been the same since you've been gone we want you to look at the hood again and all that blah, blah, blah. and I tried to tell them you know what that's it for me and they were like what no nah, nah, you're just saying that because you're fresh out you'll be back around and I was like, no, 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 that's it for me. You know, I want to go to church. So they got mad when I said that. Like, they all arguing with all of them. So I'm right there arguing with all my homeboys and my family. I'm arguing with all of them. And then my own mother, my mother tells me, I'll disown you if you turn Christian. Because whoa, my mother whoa, hates whoa, my family. Whoa, 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 yes. whoa, 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 whoa. You're telling me your mother was in the life? No, but she hated Christians. So... She was right there with all the hoods. They knew my, my whole family was gaming. Like I told you, my dad, my brother, my uncle, my cousin, every single male. So she never, you know what I'm saying? But she just uh, didn't want me to be Christian. She hated my family because they were Catholic and all that. They hated Christian. So she said, if you turn Christian, I'll disown you. So um, it, so then it was like that, right? So I had all of that. I was fresh out, too. I wanted women. So one thing, so another, I started messing with women, started partying, whatever, whatever. So long story, long story short is, uh, I ended up getting to some dude. So I went to this dude's house, and I was just going to kick down the dude's front door and go all inside of the guy's house and get him. That's just a little glimpse of the type of person that I used to be. And that's how you see how I ended up being the leader of the gang and all that. I was crazy back then. I was, so I was kicking down this guy's front door, and he shot me, boom. He shot me out the side window, and uh, I got paralyzed. And at first, so they took me to the car, and they were like, they were like, uh, what's wrong with you? And I told them, I don't know. I think I'm shot because I had no blood and I didn't feel no pain or nothing. I, I just couldn't feel my legs. I told them, I can't feel my legs. And they lifted up my shirt. And they were like, yeah, you're shot. And the reason I had no blood is because the bullet, it went through my lung and it went into my spine. So all my blood was going into my lung and I was choking on my own blood. So as soon as they told me you're shot, man, I got scared. I was like, oh, man. So I started telling myself, Hang on for the ambulance, hang on for the ambulance. So then the ambulance comes, boom, they're all on me, the cops, the ambulance, they put the ID in me and all of that. They're all talking. 
And they're like, he's not going to make it. He's not going to make it. His only chance is to call for the choppers. They tell me, hey, we're going to the chopper. We're going to airlift you and all that. Hold on and all this and that. So I start telling myself, man, hang off of the chopper, hang off of the chopper. So finally it comes. They put me in the helicopter and we're airlifting. We're flying. And uh, as I'm in the, hot, in the helicopter, I could feel it. Like, you could feel when you're dying. I got the right to feel like I was dying. I was right there. I was choking him on blood. And I got scared. So I was dying. I could feel like I was dying in a second. So I, I got scared. So um, I just started calling out to Jesus. But I wasn't praying like, God, help me to live or anything like that, because I thought I was going to die at any second. I was only praying like a repentance prayer. I was only praying because I didn't want to go to hell. So I thought about everything that I, that I learned when I was in jail and read the Bible and all that. And then I thought about uh, that I was just kicking down that I was going to get to do it and all that. So I just started calling out to Jesus. And it was a trip because I was all scared physically, emotionally, all that scared, dying, all like that. But once I started praying to Jesus, it's like hard to describe. I felt like a wonderful peace came over me. I kind of didn't Amen. describe it to the words because it never happened ever since that day. But I was just so at peace, so comforted. I was just all right. I was okay. And then um, ever since that day, the, uh, the Lord just uh, started using my life, even in the hospital. Uh, when the like, nurses came home one time, and that was my room was full of gang members were in my hospital room. And my always were like, hey, we're going to go get the guy that shot him. Shot you, we're going to go get him and all that. And I told him, you know what? Let him go. And they were like, what? what do you mean let him go? We're going to get him and all that. And I was like, no, no, no. Let the guy go. I forgive him. And they're like, what? And I said, I don't understand what's going wrong with me. I don't understand whatever, but I forgive the guy. And even the hot, no, in the hospital, the doctors were like, man, they were amazed. They were like, man, we've never seen a, a guy like you before. Usually when we tell especially when they're young, and we tell them they're never going to walk again, usually we have to give them antidepressant medicine and stuff like that. But I was okay like I am right now. The Lord gave me peace for my situation. So I, the doctors told me, can you go around the hospital and try to cheer up all the other patients? I was like in like a ward with all paralyzed and handicapped people. So I was like, okay. So I was all shot up and all that my own self, but I was going around the hospital and I was trying to cheer up all the other patients. And then, uh, so then I, when I got out of the hospital, I was just going for the Lord. I was just speaking at different churches, car shows, just sharing the gospel. And my whole family got saved. Like they're all serving hey, the church. Amen. I'm like, my whole family saved. Including your mother? sharing with a lot. Yeah, my mother's a fire Amen. for the Lord. Like a whole Amen family. for that. And none of it's me. Like, I don't want to get it twisted. Like, none of it's me. I didn't do none of it. It's all God. He gets all the glory for it. But, yeah, so I was just doing a lot of stuff for the Lord. Like, God was just me speaking, like I said. And then I started going to juvenile halls, doing Bible studies with all the little kids in the juvenile halls, and going into prisons, and started speaking, like, to ex my lot of my ex-game and my homeboys. And just God was using me a lot of things. And I was growing in my relationship with God. And then that's what led me to get in my politics. I was elected because um, I, was, I was a Democrat. Like, I was raised a Democrat my whole life. They told, like, I was growing up, and then my parents told us we're Democrats. And I said, like, why? Why are we Democrats? And they said, because the Republicans are for, like, the rich and the whites. And the uh, Democrats are for, like, the minorities, the blacks and Latinos. And then all that. So I was like, okay. So I didn't know nothing about nothing. I just grew up thinking, okay, I'm a Democrat. So I was like that, but as I started growing in my faith and my, uh, with the Lord, my walk with the Lord, I just seen that the Democrats, they were against all my God and moral values. So I was like, as a Christian, I could no longer support that party. So I, I uh, left the Democrat party. And then, um, 
So after I left it like that, it's the first thing I was mad. Like I got mad because I seen just all how they work. Uh, killing babies and just men and women's rescue, which is in all ways. So at first I got mad. So that anger led me to start doing my research. So I started doing my homework. I seen that they founded the KKK, the Jim Crow, and just like all the foulness about the Democrat Party. I was like, wow, I never knew about none of this. They never taught none of this in school. Like a lot of blacks and Latinos and all that, we don't even know about none about the racist and all that past of the Democrats. They don't teach that in schools or we don't, they try to make it like it's, the Republican side just started seeing all that. And then I seen uh, Candace was right up and then Candace started the Brexit. So then me and a lot of Latinos that I know, because uh, we've seen the fake media and the narrative they're trying to push that uh, Latinos hate Trump, that Trump's racist against Latinos and wants to deport us all and this and this and that. And I was like, what? As long as far as me and all the Latinos that I know, we like Trump. We don't know what the hell CNN and them are talking about. We like Trump and all that, whatever. So I was like, I told them, like, hey, we need to start up uh, one for Latinos. And they're like, yeah, they, yeah, let's do it. So me and like, David Pasupo, and uh, we started up Lexit. Uh, and then ever since then, and when we first started it, boom, it, it, it took off and it, it exploded. And we're the biggest, uh, by far, any. Latino organization, uh, we're just big because uh, we're just elected. We're just regular everyday Latinos. I mean, we don't try to be all this and that or whatever, whatever. We're just say we're just regular everyday Latinos. We love God, we love our country, and we're against socialism and all that. So that's when we push it. So God is blessed, is matching. And I'll imagine me from all the past, whatever the past that I was telling you, to being at the White House six times. That's how I tell everybody. I feel like. Joseph in the Bible. I went from the jail cell to the White House. Yeah, hey, let me let me let me let me double back on that. If somebody had told you, and this is, uh, I had Brandon Tatum from Blexit on my last show, yeah, and I before. asked him, yeah, yeah, he was, you know, he was, he he wasn't involved in serious criminal activity, but you know, he 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 was running, you know, with his boys in uh, Fort Worth, Texas, yeah. and he had attitude, anger management problems and stuff. And, you know, he lived in the hood and, you know, a lot of family, his family and people he knew were, you know, doing a lot of not nice things. And my question that I asked him, I'm going to ask you the same question. When he was like 18, 19, 20, if I had told you that you would be starting an organization like Blexit and also had become a police officer, what would you say? And his answer was, with that, he said the first thing, it would be I'd faint. Okay. After, after, after I fainted, then I'd have to consider an answer. My question to you, when you were gangbanging, if somebody had yeah. told you, not only would you become a Christian, cause that's possible, but you'd no yeah. longer be a Democrat. You'd found an organization that, uh, would be helping to lead Latinos off the democratic party plantation and you would be a guest in your wheelchair because you never recovered your legs in your wheelchair at the White House, as you said, six times and speaking around the country. What would you have said if somebody told you that at age 20? I would have said you're crazy. And because even my dad kind of had like a similar uh, talk with me back in the days when I was all running around like that. And I told, even told him then. I tell you, I took my dad because he see me just doing all everything I was doing, and, and then I told him, you know what, dad, don't worry about me because just, just know I'm gonna end up dead or in jail. I told my father that because he see me doing all the bad and stuff that I was doing. I told him, just know that I'm gonna end up dead 
or in jail. So that was my outlook. I, I was living my life knowing that I was going to die at any day or or live or be in jail for life. That's how I looked at my time. So that's what I would have told you. Like, heck no, I wouldn't be dead or in jail because I was just a soldier trying to put in work for my neighborhood. That was like my only meaning in life at that time. But that's how it just goes to show you with God, all things are possible. God could change me. He did. He changed me. He changed me too, bro. Amen. Hey, let me let me let me ask you now. Uh, so, what was it like? Two things, because a lot of people uh, understand this aspect of gang life. You get jumped in, but you don't get jumped out. How were you able to get out with your life? That's number one. And number two, how much pushback? have you received back then at the very beginning when you changed parties and tried to start Lexit in, in California? Um, as far as the gang, I, I didn't get no pushback because I'm like, you might as well say like a ghetto superstar or whatever. Like, I'm like, even to the day I can go over there they love me. I'm like a legend. Like they, I like put in the most work, like I'm their G homie. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. nobody could say like, I could honestly say in my hood and all that, nobody put in more work than me or, or you know what I mean? So they love me even to this day. I said, I don't ever go around or around, but if I did, they would be total utmost respect for me because they know what I'm about or that I used to be or whatever. So they, you know what I mean? So they, they still love me. And that's what I said. And God used that. Cause even like some of my old friends, if you guys would see him, like, wow, you see him all being crazy full of tattoos, just it's, 10 years at Folsom and all that, but those were my little homies or whatever. And then, so God would use that to me, their old respect and all that for me, that God used that for me to be able to share the gospel with them. Like a lot of them, they'd be like, man, we don't listen to anybody else. If they try to tell me about God or things like that, but I'll listen to you, right? Because they have love for me and respect for me. So God would use that to work. Like, you know what I mean? My respect and love that they have for me that he would use it for me to be there, share the gospel with them. And then um, at, when I next it, um, a lot of people, my guests were mostly were surprised. Like um, they were like surprised. And then, like I said, at that time, because this is what, uh, three years ago, that's when it was real, the rhetoric it gets Trump and, and all that. So it was hard, man. It was a, it was a tough sell. I ain't gonna lie. Like uh, for Latinos and all that with, with Trump, because it was so ingrained that he hates Latinos, he called us rapists and all of that. So it was hard. So we were just pushing like that. And it was a trip because mostly a lot of the people that I know and I used to get in heated debates with and all that, they all switch. They all are exit now. They all have most of the, like it's rare to find ones that have it. Most Latinos are not Mexicans that I used to argue with and all of that. But now they see it. And now that they have switched, that's why you see the numbers now. Latinos are like 50% with, um, they, they've left, you know what I mean? It's now mm -hmm. half and half with the numbers are uh, astronomical. And even another poll they did the other day was said that the last three years is when the numbers went up. And I, and I posted, I said, and it was a coincidence that it actually came out three years ago. And that's when the numbers for Latinos started changing. I don't know. I'm just saying, you know what I mean? <laughs> Yeah, you know, the, you know, you've done great work. What what was Lexit's what was Lexit's uh, strategy to change these voters one at a time? How did you approach them, yeah. and what were the what were the topics that you used to try and show them they're voting wrong? 
mostly our faith. We'll see, because everybody has different things. Like somebody it could be second amendment, it could be whatever, whatever. But me, what, what motivates me and what does me is my faith. So I just some because most are you there? I'm here. I'm here. Okay. Yeah, because see, most Latinos and blacks, we have a law for God. And but most Latinos are either Catholic or Christian. But for some reason, they haven't been voting on that. And the left has been totally, they use race to blind blacks and Latinos. They're like, they're like holding out a carrot with race. Look, 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 racist. Don't look over here pro-life. Don't look over here against socialism. Don't look over here lower taxes. Don't look over here second amendment. Like, look, 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 racism, everything. So, so I've been, we've been trying to get Italian Latinos to vulture godly moral values. You know what I'm saying? We're, we're pro-life. Like I said, we're against men and women's restroom. We're against men pushing all that stuff to our kids in schools and all that. We're like, that's what you should be paying attention to. Not like this, because most Latinos are conservative. They just don't know it. So we go and we show them. We're like, look, you're pro-life, right? Look, we start going down the like, European socialism, right? You just want lower taxes, right? You don't want open borders, right? Like going down the list and they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're like, what the hell are you voting Democrats for there? You know what I mean? And then when the, once we start showing them and they see, and then we feel like anybody could be with Lexi, but we just feel who better to reach Latinos than fellow Latinos, especially like me. It might is so impactful because you don't even know, brother. Like I haven't been in the White House. Like I've been in the headquarters of the RNC or everywhere, no matter where I'm at or whatever. All Latinos can relate to my story. They're like, oh, I grew up in the barrio, or oh, my cousin was in a game, everywhere. So Latinos, when they see my story, and they're like, wow, that dude's from the hood, and I just asked for Trump, like, what the heck? So, like, before, because like I said, their narrative was that all Latinos hate Trump, that he's racist, and all of that. When they see me, dang, he has his ex-gang member and all that at the White House six times, and then you see some of our other Lexus crew tatted up. We're just all everyday Latinos, you know what I mean? So they see that, and then they're starting to relate, to, relate uh, to us, and that's how, that's like how we do it. We do videos, we do shows, we just mostly, like, really whatever we could to um, put out there. We put stuff that the fake media and all that should be showing that they don't. So we put in that, and like I said, and Latinos, when they hear it, they listen more when it's from another Latinos, because we feel that Latinos have, are looking out for our own best interests and all that. That's why Jorge Ramos and all them were able to be so successful, because the Latinos will be watching, they'll be watching Jorge Ramos, and they're thinking, oh, right. he's a Latino, he's, he's out for my best interests, so he's whatever he's saying, but he ain't. So we tell him, what? We're, right. we're him, he's an atheist, he's an atheist, leftward left-wing puppet, eh? He ain't all right with them, hell no. He don't Thanks speak Zoom. to us, you know what I mean? So right. we call him out like that, and then they say, oh, yeah, I'm listening to Jesse, and then he's from the hood and all that, better than Jorge Ramos. You know, you're like me, he loves God, I agree with he's saying more, you know what I'm saying? So that's what we're doing, we're pushing back, but I, me, a lot of what I use mostly is our faith. Yeah, there you go. And, you know, and, and Jorge, it was funny because Jorge Ramos would be coming on TV and I think he was getting in fights with Sean Hannity and stuff. And, and yeah. you know, the yeah. guy was just leading. It's it's a it, it, he's obviously a sellout because he he you know, he wasn't oh. helping at all. All he was doing was just trying to spur and use this race issue to fester uh, hatred 
and to uh, yeah. turn everything against anything of a godly nature. So you nailed him to the wall correctly. The yeah. question that a lot of people would want to know, how and did you get your first invite to the White House? And when you got it, how did you feel about it? Uh, I just went with a group of Latinos. We went um, over there and I was in shock. I, I was like a, a kid on Christmas. I, you know what I mean? If I could uh, walk, I would have been doing cartwheels cart or something. You know what I mean? I was in shock. Like to me, I was just like totally blessing from God. And like, I'm telling you, like my family and people, like, see, it's like I'm telling you guys my story, but it's more info. I'm more impactful people that actually knew me, the actual how I used to be all crazy and, and all that. When they seen and all that, like, it was like, wow. Especially the pictures, with you with President, but, the pictures with you and President Trump. Yeah, yeah. And I even have a cool story for that. It showed where the Trump was cool, right? Like, so I was right there, uh, even with the thought on this. One of the times I was in the house, me and a bunch of Latinos, I was one of my witches, but anyways, we're walking in the White House, and as we're walking in, there's hundreds of Latinos are walking in the White House, and we just hear, there's power in the name of Jesus. Mm -hmm. Like, wow. We all stopped and looked around like, wow, they're praising Jesus, blessing Jesus in the White House. Imagine that. The fake media won't ever show that a bunch of Latinos in the White House crazy Jesus, you know what I mean? That, that was cool. And then, so I one of the times so I was right there, and uh, Trump, I'm right there in the front of the line, and Trump's coming down the line, hitting the tent, and they're like shaking all the people in the front, hands, whatever, right there at the White House. And I was right there in the front, and there's like so many hundreds of people behind me. And so I'm just right there fixating on Trump as he's coming by. And then he comes and stuff right there, and he's talking, we're right there talking for a few, like for a while, and he's like cracking jokes, talking to me, whatever, we're right there. And then, um, I didn't even notice, but I guess all the people behind me were like, oh, trying to get pictures with him. I don't know what they were doing, but I didn't even notice that they were like, I guess, pushing my wheelchair. So I was like moving like from my wheelchair, from all the people behind me pushing from the wheels and all that. My, I didn't even notice because I was so fixated on talking to Trump, but he noticed it. So as my, I'm rocking back and forth in my wheelchair or whatever, trying to talk to him, I guess like moving. He starts so all of a sudden. He starts yelling at the people and says, stop pushing it. And then he reaches behind me and puts his, his arm behind me, my wheelchair, and he's like protecting me from like the crowd behind me. And he's yelling at them and he's telling stop pushing it, stop pushing it. So as he's doing that, I just look at him and I was just like, wow, that's so cool that he noticed that. He noticed that, that they were all pushing on me. You know what I mean? Like, that was cool. It, to me, it just showed his heart that he had a, he had a good heart. And then I was like, that was cool that he, because I didn't even notice it. Because I was just fixated on him, but he noticed that they were all pushing on me. That was cool. Yeah, you know, uh, and I think the pictures with you with Trump just gave you another type of cred because you already had street cred. This gave you political cred, you know, because a lot of people I saw all the pictures and, 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 you know, just not everybody gets to meet the president. Uh, and, yeah. and I, you know, I, I, and it just gave you a credibility and, you know, it's just like what happened with Blexit with the people. And when he invited a whole bunch of, of blacks and, and other races and other types of people yeah. to the white house and they're saying, wait a minute, if this guy's a racist, you know, all the races we know, yeah. they wouldn't be inviting people like that. In fact, if the races we know, if people were in jail who were black or Latino, he wouldn't commute their sentence. He'd want to 
have them finish their whole sentence to keep them out of the country. Yeah. You know, so uh, you know, it it, it was all it, it it all it all backfired. Except they stole the election. So let's bring it to present time now. What do you think is going on now? Because obviously we're in a war. The socialists are trying to run it. You know, just destroy the country. We're not going to let them do it. So what is the the Lexit message now, and what are the plans for the future? Shoot, we're just the same message now. It's even being exposed. We're just showing them. Look at creeping into a virus. Look at just every disaster that he's doing. Plus, I, I feel like the reason why we're having even more momentum, like because even just Trump, Trump went up eight percent with Latinos. That just shows the great work that not, not just all of us, but that all of us were doing. And uh, but right now, uh, what was I going to say? Damn, I forgot what I was saying. Oh, that. Um, yeah, what's what's it, what's what what are the plans leading up to the next uh, to the midterms in the next election? Now you're still just trying to get more voters and change flip votes and get people registered to Republican or yes. what are you what are you talking about socialism now? Are you talking about all the problems that are going on with the Biden administration? And obviously, I would think the border would be very important. Yeah, yeah, we're talking about we're talking about all of that right now. The big thing we're on right now is the vaccine and all that. That's where our main mm-hmm. focus right now is. Because- the lockdown, we had uh, a lot of going rallies and things like that. We're fighting back against this tyranny. That's a big thing. But then, too, we're uh, helping uh, candidates, uh, whatever candidates that we see that are America patriot first, then we'll help them and back them and endorse them and stuff like that. So mostly uh, like that. We're pushing right now, focusing on the, all the vaccines and all that stuff, and then um, helping candidates that we know uh, that are then we pick who we want to pick. You know what I mean? Like we won't go just if the RNC or whoever says, oh, back this candidate, we'll be like, man, we back who we say. We back who the Bible says. You know what I mean? That's who we I back. Got uh, whoever's America first, because we won't, we won't back no rhinos. And um, that's what we're pushing in. And uh, just fighting just everything about him. And two, right now, too, that's what I was going to say is that uh, the, See, it's kind of, we got more better right now because, see, with, like I said, with Trump, that's all they were pushing. So they, that's what they were, a big key they were using against minorities was the race. But now that Trump's out of there, so I'm telling you, without race, without whatever, all that, Democrats ain't got nothing. All their policies, all everything about that they're pushing all that, normal average people, we're not for that. We're totally against all this communism, all this crap that they're pushing. CRT and all of that. We're against all of that. So, but like I said, but they were able for all these years. They were successful. I'm telling you, with blacks and Latinos, a lot of blacks still, they still are, with using that carrot. Race, race, race. Like, don't focus on none of the issues and all that. Only look, 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 race. He's racist, racist, mm-hmm. like that. And then now with Trump out of the way, they're having a tough time getting minorities, especially for Latinos. They, they ain't got really nothing to have on us right now, you know what I mean? So they, that's why it's starting to switch because they're, they're, they don't have the race carrot to be dangling in front of Latinos. And then they see all of us that are just, we're pushing back. And then we just wish that uh, the Republicans would help out more because they don't do, seem like nothing to help. Out. Everything that we pretty much did is just all God because we, we did it on our own. We do our own thing. But I just wish that they would see and uh, realize and, and help out more. Help them. 
because we have a, we have a golden opportunity to get the Latino vote, but they're I don't know what they're doing. They're not doing not one yeah. thing, anything to help with the Latino vote, anything. They're not even they don't even reach out to us. Nothing. You know what I mean? They should have us right there at CPAC. Even me, my story, like you seen a little bit of like, why ain't you guys utilizing me? Or like, why ain't you? You know what I mean? It's like having Kobe Bryant and you're leaving him on the bench. Like, look at all the work we're doing. You see the numbers rising and that we're Latinos. What are you guys doing? You know what I'm saying? Like, let us help us in. Help us out. We're doing all this on our own and all this. Just grassroots, little movement, whatever. Me, I'm just a regular dude. But why ain't they helping out more? That's just a little bit frustrating for us. I can understand. And that's telling. That lets us know what part some of the issues are. But with God's help, we're going to rise above this because socialism and un- ungodliness and unrighteousness will not win. Jesse, I really thank you for coming on. Please tell people how they can reach you and how they can reach Alexa and anything else that you would like to promote. Yeah, uh, on on Instagram, it's Lexit Movement. And on Facebook, it's Real Lexit. And Getter, we're on Getter too, uh, Lexit. And uh, LexitMovement.us, that's our website. Just uh, go on there. And uh, I just want to say that... Uh, all minorities, blacks, Latinos that are watching this, just vote, vote on the issues. You know what I mean? Don't vote on, on race or any of that other nonsense that the left tries to spew. Just do your homework. Do your homework. Do your research. Vote on the issues. And then patriots, only vote for patriot candidates because there's so many rhinos that already bamboozled us to vote for them and they don't do nothing and all that. Like, they should all be suspect until proven otherwise like they should all be rhinos until they prove that they're not like we had to be we had to start being like that because like i said we already got through too many times with these rhinos getting in there and not freaking doing anything so um just you know what i mean that's that's all i gotta say as always i always say is latinos don't have to be democrats there you go jesse thank you for coming on and you're always welcome to be a guest on the show and uh, God bless you, your wife, and your family. Jesse Holguin, everybody. That's right. Thank you. Thank you, brother. Help be safe out there. And Amber, do not comply. There you go. Jesse Holguin. I want to thank my guests, Blexit's Pierre Wilson, Michelle Terrace, Marie Fisher, and Sophia Manalesco of Jexit, and Lexit's Jesse Holguin, who step out boldly, brashly, and vocally in what they do. I hope you enjoyed listening in. This podcast is available for download at radioinfluence.com or wherever you get your favorite podcast. Hope you'll subscribe to it, leave a rating and a review, and be sure to tell your friends about the show. The next podcast will download on Tuesday, January 11th. So until that time, this is your host, Gary Benford, wishing you a very happy new year. God bless you, God bless your families, and God bless America.